0: I don't need that. Y'all good? Thank you, Lord. That was a good time last week. Excited about what the Lord's going to do with the Amish next week. With Joe and them. They're going to Ohio also, aren't they? Yeah, they Yeah, Cincinnati. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let me pray. Father, thank you for all you've done for us. And we don't take any out for granted. Lord, we know you want to do more and more and more and more and more. Lord, you've given us everything already in Christ. We know that's the truth, but we haven't experienced it all. And so we're asking you for higher levels of revelation and experience in your word and the activity of your spirit in the earth, in your love, Father. Lord, we pray you continue delivering us from evil and continue giving us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's, you know, we've got an hour and a half. It's only 9 o'clock, according to that clock back there. And I had to use that clock. You know, the great thing about that church, the clock was so far away I couldn't even see it. So, but I did what they told me to do. <laughs> hey, I want to, read, I want to read Revelations 3, 14 through 22 out of the Message Bible. To you this morning. And I want to remind you what it says in Revelation 1 3. If you hear it, if you read it, if you hear it, and if you do it, you're blessed. Okay? So you're going to get a blessing right now by simply reading this and hearing this. That's what the Bible says. And you can receive that blessing. But I think the, the greatest blessing is, is done and actually is received and actually doing it. Uh, that's a clear thing in the Bible I think we all see over and over. It's when we do what is written in the Bible, that's really where the real blessing comes. It says in verse 14, Write to Laodicea, to the angel of the church, God, God's yes. The faithful and accurate witness, the first of God's creation, says, I know you inside and out and find little to my liking. You, you're you not cold, you're not hot. Far better to be either cold or hot. You're stale, you're stagnant. You make me want to vomit. And I want to remind you a couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about... This and how the Lord, uh, how we had to see this. This is a person who's in love with another, and, and I gave the terrible example. One time I was in love with this girl when she, uh, we had a breakup and it made me sick. Literally, I'll never forget drinking a carton of milk and throwing up over it. It's not that he wants to vomit us to get rid of us because he hates us. It's because he's such, so in love with us that when we're hot, neither hot nor cold, it, it, it literally makes the Lord himself sick. And I mean, that's a challenge, isn't it, this morning? When we find ourselves in that state, uh, and you have to ask yourself, are you hot or cold? And if you really are, are, are you lu- or lukewarm, that's, that's, he would rather us be hot or cold. And so if you ask yourself, are you lukewarm? I want you to get this picture in your mind. Think about me throwing up over this girl I was so in love with. Thank God that she broke up with me because if she wouldn't have, I may not have met Becky. But I did the out of that. But the Lord's so good. Um, it says, "You brag, I'm rich. Uh, I've got it made. I need nothing from anyone. Oblivious that, and that in fact, you're pitiful, blind beggar, threadbare and homeless." Here's what I want you to do. Um, I think it's really important this word "homeless" here. Um, uh, you know what Becky was talking about. What we the, the song about being brought to the table of the Lord. There's so many Christians out there today that literally, in their minds and in their hearts, are homeless. They don't feel at home with the Lord. They've not found that they're just being dealt with. They're not at home in the church. They feel rejected in the church. They don't feel like they belong anywhere really. How many had that experience? You want to raise your hand? But I lived like that many years as a Christian, not feeling at home, not feeling like I had a home. I was an orphan. I had that orphan spirit working on me, and that abandonment thing working on me. And the Lord delivered me out of all of that uh, at the cross, but I really didn't begin to, to lay hold of that deliverance until a few years ago. And so the Holy Spirit is the only one who can bring you into that revelation. That's why it's such a, a key thing to keep, keep receiving the Holy Spirit, keep being filled with the Holy Spirit, because He continuously uncovers in us those secret lies that are hidden in our minds and hearts, Paul calls them strongholds. And one of the greatest strongholds that we have is the orphan stronghold. That's why the Bible calls uh, uh, the Holy Spirit the spirit of adoption. He works real hard in our lives to convince us that we have a place at the table. And when you have a place at the table, you know you belong. Amen. There's, there's saved orphans in this room right now. That's In your mind, you're a saved orphan. You may not think like that, but you really are. It's when you come into a revelation, you begin to realize where you've been in your life. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal it to you. And I pray this morning, if anybody's in that state, I pray the Holy Spirit would would really reveal to you where you're at. That you would no longer be a homeless person. Here's what I want you to do. Buy, Buy your gold from me, gold that's been through the refiner's fire, then you'll be rich. Buy your clothes from me, clothes designed in heaven... You've gone around half naked long enough. Come on. <laughs> and buy medicine for your eyes from me, so you can from me so you can really see. The people I love I call to account. You see, that's what it says right there in verse nineteen. I used to really struggle with this whole lead to sin thing because I never really saw verse nineteen. I didn't see the love of God in it. He loves the lukewarm dearly. The people I love I call to account. And the Lord's calling people to account. Prod and correct and God so that they may live at their best. Ooh, that's good, isn't it? Up on your feet then, about face, run after God. Look at me. I stand at the door. I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come in, right in, and sit down to supper with you. There you go. You're at the table. Consequent, conquerors will sit alongside me at the head of the table just as I, having conquered, took Took the place of honor at the side of my father. That's my gift to the conquerors. Are you ears awake? Listen, listen to the wind words. Don't you? I love this. Listen to the wind words of the Spirit blowing through the churches. That's powerful, isn't it? So you see, in these verses, there's such a power of, of an acceptance from the Lord. A, a, such a power of Him trying to draw us. It's not a, it's not a rejection. Like, oh, he's going to vomit us out of the mouth and, and, and be done with us. No, it's, it's his power to draw us in to the home of his heart and have us to live in that place of communion and fellowship. It's really good, man. So uh, in verse 18, really sort of a key verse here, is the wisdom from the, from the Lord himself on how to deal with being lukewarm because, like I told you a few weeks ago, everybody finds themselves in lukewarm states from time to time, Right? You know, every once in a while we'll discover, we're, we don't mean to be lukewarm, but we just wind up lukewarm for whatever reason. You know, there's lots of reasons. I went through that last time. It tells you right there, in fact. But um, the, the key is, 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 is not necess- you don't have to know why necessarily. It's kind of important because it's said in the Bible, so it must be important. But the key is, is, is dealing with it. Dealing with your own lukewarm heart. And that's really what God wants. He wants to call us into account to deal with our lukewarmness. Okay, if that's where you're at this morning, God's calling you into account to deal with your heart, the condition of your heart. So I want to just talk a little, just momentarily really, I don't have time to talk about all three. There's three things he says, buy the gold, buy the clothes, and get the ice out. Those are the three things, and there's a lot of understanding in those, in Revelation, in those three things. that I think that God would really, if you'd really ask the Lord, He could really speak some stuff to you. But I wanted to, particularly uh, this morning, uh, probably only get a chance to talk about that first one, about gold refined in the fire. Um, because fire, fire is important in God's economy. And we love fire, right? Yep. We, sh- we should, but you know what? We don't really understand fire, I don't think. I wanted to read uh, Old Testament Scripture. When I was a young Christian, I was really influenced by a lot of people, a lot of older men from Europe... Who actually were highly affected by the Welsh revival? Okay, so they had a very different mindset than what we have. Okay, and their message was different from what we're hearing today. Okay, and of course, you know the Welsh revival was a very powerful revival. But let me read Malachi uh, chapter three, two through three, Um, because they talked. They I heard a lot of great uh, talk uh, messages on on the fire of God. Uh, in those days it says uh, in verse 2 who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears I don't think anybody can really <laughs> you know? uh, when the Lord comes just a little bit people fall down and falling down is a good thing uh, however you fall I like to think falling down on your face might be a really good thing though uh, for, he, for he is like a refiner's fire everybody say refiner's fire And like Fuller's soap, Uh, I guess that's pretty strong soap. I sort of looked up Fuller's soap. You you know what lava soap is? Everybody wash your hands in lava soap. It's like washing your hand in sand. It'll it'll clean anything off of you. I think they have you know better formulas all the the day that's not so scratchy. But that's sort of the magic thing I imagine. You know, I remember washing my hands with lava soap, and they'd be so dry, (laughs) you know, afterwards, because it just took all the oil out along with all the other dirty stuff. He will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord the offerings in righteousness. Um, you know, the Bible says that Jesus, this is what it says in Matthew 3, 11, that Jesus uh, baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and fire, right? I don't personally think that we've been baptized in fire a whole lot, okay? Because I think the fire that he's talking about is a purification, now, this is what we were taught back in the day about gold. You know, it talks about buying gold from the Lord. Um, that you're being, you know, it talks about in Peter about being tested. It, the way gold is purified is through fire. It's heated. And, and, and that's the way silver is also. It's heated, and the impurities or what they call dross, D R O S S, would come to the surface and they would skim it off. Okay, and that was a process that it would go through to purify gold, to get pure gold over and over and over. This fire would be put into your life to bring forth the impurities in the gold. And so you see, when, when the Lord talks about the fire, if you study fire through the Bible, you'll find one thing about people who encounter the fire of God. After that, something happens. Two of the greatest examples. One is Moses, of course. He, he, he encountered the fire of God at the burning bush. And after that, he was commissioned. See, all of us want to be used by the Lord. We want to be commissioned by the Lord. But I think what stands between us and our commission is we haven't had this fire experience. Okay? Uh, same thing happened to Isaiah. Isaiah has written five chapters. Uh, and then he says, This is what happened to me in the year that King Uzziah died. died. I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And he began to, and he heard the angelic songs. Holy, holy, is and he began to repent because he saw something that was powerful. And he said, oh, Lord, I am a wicked man and I live amongst a, a wicked people. And the Lord took the fire from the altar of God in heaven and placed it upon his lips. And then he heard a conversation in heaven. And the Lord was saying, who's going to go for us? And you know, the Lord let him overhear it because it was his calling. And he said, I'll go. And you say, you see, we're really going to have to come to a place, I believe, where the the refining fire of the Lord comes into our lives. And God begins to purify us. Because God really is concerned about our purity, believe it or not. And it's not something that we really want to talk about a lot in the church because it's been talked to from a negative perspective. But it's really a good thing. It's a really good thing. So God really wants to release the fire into your mind and your lives. And bring forth any dross in, us so he can take it out and skim. it. it's a good, it's, it's the mercy of God. And I think what happens is many people go through a time of refining in their life. You know, many people go through this process and, uh, you know, sometimes we don't make it through it. Okay, I want encourage you today. If God is working in your life refining you, he wants you to make it through it. Um, there's a stripping process that's going on right now for a lot of people. A lot of people are being stripped. How many people have had dreams about being uh, naked? in the land? Anybody had any of those dreams about being naked or being exposed? Anybody had that? Raise your hand. Ever. Yeah, ever. Yeah. You know what? You can find it right in the Bible. It's a pre- it's a preparation for priesthood. You know what it says in the Bible? It says when the when the priests in the Old Testament were, were put into the, to the ministry, it says they called them up and listen. I don't really understand this. Okay, I don't, and I've studied it. To try to figure it out. They would call them up in the front of the congregation of the Lord and strip them. I mean, strip them naked. Strip them naked in front of everybody. And somebody would wash them. Moses had to wash them. Okay? And once he washed them, he would begin to dress them. And once they were dressed, they got the anointed. So if you have felt in your life a stripping taking place, it's God. He's preparing you for something. He's getting you ready for something. I had a dream recently about some, a man, a grown man. This is a terrible dream. He was a grown man and I was bathing him. Okay? And I was saying, oh, I can't do this. This is some grown man. It's like, you know, when your, your kids were little and you bathed them. and This was not a child. He was a grown, grown man. <laughs> Post-puberty man. Get the picture. I called this guy the next day. I said, Man, I think God's trying to do something in your life. He's trying to go after some something. I had this terrible dream about you last night. He said, What was it? I said, I was washing you. You were? Yeah. Lord, please show me what it is, you know. I was at, he said, Well, I think God is dealing with me. Something's going on. Later I was that day I was praying. I said, Lord, I hate that dream. You don't want to see another man naked. You know, I hated it. Like, especially if I was having to wash him. Like, that's what I was doing in the dream. Had that wash off out. I can just imagine Moses with a big long brush. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, the Lord spoke to me and said, Leviticus 8. Again, Le- Leviticus 8. I'm not going to read it to you this morning, but that's what happens. They got stripped. They got washed. That man, I said, you know, I called him back last. You know what it is? The Lord's preparing you for priesthood. The Lord's washing you. And he's going to clothe you. He's going to put some things on you. There's people experiencing some of that too right now. Some of you. I don't know who, but I know a couple of people have experienced God putting stuff on them. It was God dressing you. Another thing that says in Ezekiel that, that there's a certain kind of garments that God only allows us to wear. And one of them, he won't allow wool. Or any kind of mix, they have to be linen garments, meaning because God didn't want them to sweat in His presence. That speaks to the grace of God. You know, a lot of us are still sweating and striving in what we're trying to do with God or our personal walk with God, and He wants to just get all that, those clothes off of you. He wants to undress you and get that off of you and put the right garments on you. And, it, and it's embarrassing and it's humiliating many times because like with those men can you imagine like i don't want to be a priest lord please i don't want to be naked in front of all these people can you imagine how how they felt being drunk up there in front of everybody and washed it was a bad day but it was a good day because they got dressed and they got the lord's clothing put on so if that's what you're going through this morning uh i want to read hebrews six seven and eight to you because i'm running out of time and I just want you to be encouraged this morning that the Lord's doing some stuff. All right, Hebrews 6, 7, and 8. It says, For the ground that drinks the rain, which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation, useful for those whose sake it is also tilled, receives a blessing from God. Now, don't be messing with that Scott, Scott Forsythe. He's messing with me. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worth, worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. Notice there's two things in here. Number one is that you can receive a blessing, or you can get burned up. Now, that's what happens when God brings the fire in your life. If you have thorns and thistles in your life, there's a burning. It doesn't mean you're going to be burned up, but it means the fruit that's been produced in your life that's not of the Lord, God is going to burn that fruit up. The Bible talks clearly about that over and over. God, here's what God does. Here's the ways of God. We need to understand the ways that God. God brings a time of blessing and refreshing into our life. That's what the rain is, okay? And then there's fruit that is produced in your life during that time, and it could be really great fruit. It could be Holy Spirit fruit, and that's really what brings more blessings from God. But God does prune that fruit. Okay, back to the stripping. And then God does prune it even when it's from the Lord. But then there's, a, there's this other fruit that comes forth in our life. A lot We see a lot of Christians who experience God's uh, outpouring of His Spirit, experience many blessings from God, and we see bad fruit in their life. Right? I'm not doing that. I have nothing to do with that. That noise. Okay, now I want to tell you something about your fruit. Your fruit that you produce is important. See, God, you know, in the Bible, rain speaks of blessings of God. That's what it speaks. It speaks of the Word of God. It speaks of the Spirit of God. It, speaks of... it, says, it says right here that God pours it out, okay, on the ground. In other words, it falls on everybody. You know, so people, everybody can experience God's blessing in their life. Okay, but everybody, and so then God waits and there's a time when he looks to see the fruit that comes forth in your life from what he's done for you and done in you. And when he he sees that there's not the fruit that he's looking for, fruit that he has literally produced, and he begins to see the thorns and the thistles, see, that's when the fire's going to come. Because he's going to burn that stuff up in us. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying to you this morning? God's very interested in seeing what we have done in the earth, in the church. The church has not really produced all the fruit it needs to out of the out of the revivals that's been brought forth in the earth, okay? There, there's not been the fruit that God wants uh, to be released. There's a story in Luke 13, is 8 and 9. I'll just read it to you right quick. It was, it was about a, a, a gardener guy. And uh, he said, there was a tree there. And he said, I'm going to cut this tree down because this tree is not bearing fruit. But this this gardener guy said, whoa, let it alone, sir, for this year too until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. So God will keep digging in our lives and keep putting dung in our lives. You know, dung is your failures, your, your, the difficulties you go through in your life. He keeps putting that back into your life, okay, to be fertilizer for your life, to help you. But He will dig around in your life, okay, to, to help you bring forth fruit. God's interested in fruit. And so God pours out His Spirit, and He's looking for fruit. Now, I'm asking you a question this morning. I, we need to ask ourselves some hard questions about our church and about ourselves, about the fruit that's in our life. We really need to ask the Lord about that. Okay? Because we're gonna, God's holding us accountable for it. Everybody in this room, you're personally being held accountable for what God has been doing. Every one of us. This is a serious matter. I'm talking to you serious now, okay? Because God's interested in this. And God will bring a refining in your life that He doesn't see the fruit that He wants. He, in other words, He will bring circumstances and difficulties in your life that will be painful for you. Because that's what He has to do. Now, I hate to tell you that. That's not bad news, really. It's really the good news of the gospel. But what God is doing, He's calling forth a people that will show forth the fruit and glory of God. That's what He's calling for. He's looking for people who He can really let his, express Himself through. Because that, that purification thing I was talking to you about, th- this is what the old preachers used to tell us, it ain't looking, it, the, the, the image they're looking for is not you. They're trying to get the dross out of the way so they can see Christ in you. That's what the purification's all about, so, we, so there can be a reflection of Christ coming forth in our lives. Are you all with me on this? Are you all having a hard night? Is this, I got, you only got five more minutes. Can you hang and stand five more minutes? Uh, let me read Isaiah 44 three through four. I didn't put it up there. I was asking. Let me tell you about this dream I had last night. This was a great dream. Okay, this is really a great dream. It's my first dream about heaven. So last night in my dream, I went to heaven. Okay, and this is how this is my experience in my dream about heaven. It would just tear you up when you have a dream about heaven because you want to go there, and it makes you really love the Lord more. It makes you want to be around the Lord because heaven is better than even I was thinking and I only had a dream about it. But here's what happened. I was standing in heaven and I could see a long ways and I can't see a long ways, honestly. I can't see a long ways at all. That is, I, if I can take my glasses off, I can't even see who a person is back there. If I didn't know that was Joe, I wouldn't know it was Joe back there if I took my glasses off. But in heaven, I could see a long ways and all I could see was Streams. They were everywhere in heaven, and I thought, I thought about this. Uh, it says in, in 40, uh, uh, Psalm 46, "There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God." These are streams, and that was the thing I felt there. It was such a glad place. It, it was, it was gladness everywhere. That's the way it felt. I didn't see anybody. I just felt gladness. I felt, I didn't even feel like me there. I felt glad. I felt this gladness. That I had every. It was just the purest gladness that you could imagine. And then this voice that was sort of beside me, but behind me, I couldn't see anybody, said this. He said, heaven was never meant to stay here. That's what he said. He said, heaven was never meant to stay here. And as we walked, he said something else. Every human being has been created with the capacity to contain heaven within them. Every human being. And the last thing in the dream was as I was walking, I thought, I've got to tell Becky about this. That's how I felt. I've got to tell her about this. It was so wonderful. And there was other things that happened I can't... That's the only thing the Lord let me remember this morning was those three things. Is heaven was never meant to stay in heaven. Okay? And we know that biblically, right? And, it was, and every human being has been created with the capacity for the kingdom of God to be inside them. Okay? And I believe those streams... Oh, I want to read Isaiah 44. Let me read it to you because this is the the verse he gave me this morning when I was asking him about. He says, I will pour out water on the thirsty land. This is Isaiah 43, verse 3. And streams on the dry land. Everybody say streams on the dry land. See, I believe that's a revival is what I was seeing in heaven. I was seeing all these streams and God is so glad because God wants to pour out His gladness in the earth. He wants to release what's in heaven into the earth. These, these streams were everywhere. They were all. They re- I feel like, and I don't really know this yet because I really haven't had time to really get more understanding. So I believe those streams rec- represent the revivals and the spiritual awakenings that God, that heaven has, okay, and that heaven has released into the earth. You know, from the past even into this day, okay. And it says this. Uh, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring. Your, that means your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. There's such a benefit in heaven being released in the earth. It benefits our families. God's such a family man. Uh, and, my, and my blessings on your descendants. That God is so interested in blessing the descendants of the earth. But here's what has happened. Okay, here's what has happened in every revival there has ever been on this earth. Man has polluted those streams. Now, I'm serious about this. Man has polluted what God has done. Man's knowledge keeps people from getting that gladness, that stream. And God is really heartbroken over that. Man rejects That's just one of the little things, what God does. But then man gets into God's rivers and God's streams. Because I think, really, we say we have a river, really, it's it's more of a stream, really. It's It's not big enough to be a river yet, but it's going to be a river. It becomes a river when it goes out. That's when it really becomes a real river. It's just a little stream inside the church. People reject those things. I wanted Becky to share this thing that she had. I really believe this is the Lord for us this morning because I'm going to tell you something. God is calling us into accountability for what's been going on in this church. He's calling everybody in this room into accountability. He's calling me into accountability. And He's asking a question about what we've done with what He's given us. And we're going to be held accountable for it. And it's better to be held accountable today, right now, right this second, this moment, than when we stand before Him when our life is done here on this earth. Okay, that's when you don't want to have to give an answer for it. Oh, yeah, I'm glad, Lord, in 2009, I got this thing right with you because I don't even have to answer it because that's not even the issue. Come in here and share that, honey, that, that, that experience you had. She shared this one night on a Wednesday night meeting, but we've gotten some good in, information on this.
1: Yeah, I um, had gotten up at like 4 in the morning and couldn't sleep. And Tell them just, when it
0: was, honey. Watching, this wasn't yesterday. No,
1: no, no. This was, what, several, several weeks ago. It was right around the time Bob came because I had the this visitation weeks. right about a week before he was here. But I couldn't sleep. I went downstairs and was just spending time with the Lord. And, and then I got sleepy and thought, well, I'm just going to doze off in this chair and maybe the Lord will speak to me. And, uh, and when I did, I... I dozed off, but this experience, like I told people on Wednesday night, was really the most profound experience I had. It was not like a dream. It was like I was there. And uh, But what happened, I began to fly. I was, like, just flying. It was, like, at nighttime, and I could see all the lights below me, and I was just flying away. It was amazing. And um, But I decided it was time to land, and... And usually, you know, most people have had flying dreams, and as you are coming down, usually when you hit the ground, you wake up, right? Most of you have had that experience. Well, I knew when I was coming down that I was not going to wake up. For some reason, I just knew I wasn't. So as I approached the earth, the surface of the earth looked like a library book on the floor, and, I, it was, so, and when I fell, I fell through the foundation of the earth's surface, that library book foundation. It's like, and, and when I fell, I fell underneath the surface of the earth, and it was a river. I, I was in the river, this river, and I got real excited at first because I thought, oh, the river, I'm in the river. I was so excited to be in the Lord's presence in that river, and I was soaking in it for a minute. And then all of a sudden I thought, there's no life in this river, none. And so I got up and started wading through this river. I was about waist deep, and I could feel gunk underneath my feet. It just, it just didn't feel right at all. It just felt dead and lifeless and just gunk. And then when I, I looked up and there was this being, it was like an African-American-looking woman, but she was really not a woman. She was some sort of a being, and she had three eyes. And I looked straight at her, and I I didn't say, where is this? I said, when is this? And she just looked straight at me. She said, 1946. And that was the end. When I came out of that thing, I was jolted. It was like I had been somewhere. It was not like a dream. It was really, really a pretty profound experience. So I'm going to let you interpret it.
0: Okay. Well, not like I'm getting some great interpretation. I've gotten help on this interpretation. (laughs) Bob Jones if you want to interpret it he can tell you some stuff first of all before I say this I want to remind you of this because what I'm going to say is not you can take it the wrong way okay but Paul said this Second Corinthians 12 1. he said I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord yeah. that was the heart that he had okay and that's the heart that I have okay but I'm going to tell you something there's a danger in all this There's a danger in all this. And I think we better pay attention, okay? Here's what happened in 1946. There's a lot happened, okay? But this is what I feel like God's trying to say. In 1946, a revival or a move of God started called the Voice of Healing Movement, okay? And this uh, this movement lasted for nine years. People were literally cleared out of hospitals during this movement. The healing anointing was so powerful. This was the time in America where tent revivals started, where people would flock to these revivals. Oral Roberts has a library. Oral Roberts, when he was, a, that's how he got his start in ministry, that is full of docu, doctor documented miraculous healings of tuberculosis. You know, cru, you know, I mean, where doctors, you know, the X-rays before, after, you know, doctors signing affidavits. In fact, Oral Roberts wouldn't even. Uh, pray for people. He made them uh, commit to... They had to go to the doctor and get... If they got a healing, he wouldn't let them testify of their healing unless they had a doctor that said they're healed. He just wouldn't do it because he was a really wise guy and he didn't want to be sued. <laughs> you know I mean? But but he was just one of the many. A.A. A. Allen was another... Part. I've watched some videos of A.A. A. Allen seeing these old people uh, just laying... You know, They'd wheel him in on in beds. In his meetings, they'd be laying on the beds, invalids, and come up out of... The, I mean, invalids. I mean, this is... I know a lot of people can say, "Oh, that wasn't real," but who cares what these naysayers say? There's naysayers everywhere, but this this thing. Uh, a lot of these people who were in in this revival were discipled by a man named John G. Lake. Everybody heard of John G. Lake. John G. Lake had one of those powerful ministries. They say at one time they were literally uh, uh, I don't know. They he was in South Africa for several years, and it was like hundreds of people a week were being saved under this guy's ministry. Spokane, Washington, became the most healthy city in the United States, documented by the government because that's where his ministry was based. Uh, that's where this healing rooms ministry, he had healing rooms. and uh, He even had a wife who was a prophet that if a person did get, didn't get healed, she knew why. Or oh, this person's got unforgiveness in their life. This person's got bitterness in their life and is holding up the healing. And she would tell them, this is why you're not healing. You need to go deal with this and God will heal you. So, it's a powerful message, but this is what John G. Lake said, okay? Now, I want you to get this. I'm, I'm, hear this. Our generation missed the mark because we were more captured by the phenomena of God than the person of God. We were more captured by the phenomena of God than the person of God. In other words, what happened in that, that revival is it became, really, literally, it became about crowds and money. Uh, uh, let's get a bigger tent, more people will come. Uh, Brother so-and-so's got a, a tent, let's seat 1,000. Let's get a seat at 1,500. And it became that. And it became the angelic encounters, all these things, the healings, all these things that are wonderful. But John like said, that's what it became about all of that, and God got lost in it. And he said, we missed the mark. On January 16, 1956, in, uh, actually, in Chicago, Illinois, there's a prophet that stood up, and this is what he said, America has missed her opportunity. America has missed her opportunity. And the next day, the healing stopped. There was a man that was there that heard it that said, up until that time, we could go into a hospital ward and pray for everybody in that room they would get well. They'd get healed. But it's like the next day, it's like somebody turned the faucet off, and it was over. We couldn't pray for get anybody healed. Again, this is all d- documented historical stuff. Are y'all with me? Okay. So what the Lord was saying about that river, see, that river was, it was the Lord, it was God released something and man polluted it. That's what Becky was seeing when she fell into this river. At one time, that was a pure river. It was pure because God, It was of God, it was the Lord's river. It was one of His things that He had released to gladden the hearts of people. But we people polluted it. Because we made things, the phenomena of God, that's what the man said. The phenomena was more important than the Lord Himself got lost in it. And see, to me that says this. I'm going to, that's why I read that, I'm going to go on to visions and dreams. I'm going to have angelic experience. I'm, I'm shooting for this, not just a dream about heaven. I'm shooting for going to heaven before I die and coming back and telling you about it. That's my goal. That's one of my spiritual goals in my life before I leave this earth. I'm saying, Lord, I'm going there. And the Lord told me 25 years ago that one day I would hear his audible voice told me that 25 years one day and I think he's been trying to prepare me for it but I knew he was going to prepare me because it would probably kill me if I heard it I'd be so scared I'd die from a faint of heart so I'm going to have these things but I realize something man's knowledge that was now I'm I'm for intellect I mean I think most you know I love to study I mean I'm you know I like people who know stuff I like to be around people who know stuff about anything if somebody really knows some stuff about something I like to listen to them just listen to what they got to say because I like to learn things. I'm a hungry learner. I'm, I'm, to this day, I love learning things. That's why I like getting on the internet and researching stuff, just so I can learn stuff. You know? Uh, so I'm not against intellect, but I am against rational thinking when it comes to spiritual things. And we can have our library books of all this rational knowledge that man has. And see, that... Is, that's what's is hid the river for a lot of churches. It's hid the river for a lot of people. It's our understanding, it's our natural understanding. It's, it's blocked it. Becky went through that, but she went into the river and found out the river was polluted. And that one eyed or three eyed black woman, we were saying, What is that? Three eyed black woman. And of course, you can find in Revelation beings with all these eyes all over them, so it's not anything unusual in the spiritual world. But this is what it means it means I am. That, that's what the Lord was saying I am. Not they am not the miracles not they, that's not the I am it's it's this it's the love of the Father it's the grace of Jesus Christ and it's the communion of the Holy Spirit that's how I, I got that thing I got those those are the three most important things in our lives it's knowing the Father's love it's knowing the grace of the Christ and it's knowing the communion and fellowship of the Spirit are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you this morning or is any of this making any sense are you putting any things together? That God is trying to call us to be accountable to what we're doing. And we, and, and what God has called us to do, me and you, personally and corporately, is to, is to clean that river up. Wherever we go is to unpollute the rivers. Rivers can be healed. They can be healed in the natural. They can be fixed if you get the pollutants out of them. We have to begin to get the pollutants of our own personal rivers out. I'm talking about the one that's in here, the most, most important one there is that we have. As we begin to get rid of the pollutants in there, we can, we can release purity into the rivers that God releases in the, natu- in the other places, outside of us, in the churches, in the, in the ministries. You know, I mean, really, this is what the Lord's trying to tell us, right? This is where we are. We have decisions to make about ourselves. As a church, we have decisions to make. I have a lot of hard decisions to make. Some of you really, got, you need to let God go ahead and finish stripping you. Don't fight Him on it. If you feel like you're being stripped, let Him. Just go ahead and just pull your pants down. <laughs> you know? I'm helping you. Here, you are. Here are my pants if you want them. Take my pants.
1: <laughs>
0: and then you can throw your underwear at Him. Here, take like the underwear! <laughs> I didn't want them anyway. <laughs> get the picture and I let him finish doing that and let him scrub you let him scrub you let him wash you it may feel because that stuff is embarrassing when everything quits working and things don't feel right, you feel vulnerable, you feel foolish let him do it because he's got clothes and a wardrobe for you that he wants to put on you and then he wants to anoint you he really wants to do that amen
1: Uh, I wouldn't talk too long this morning I'm sorry Hey, let <laughs>